1884, the German Reichsflag fluttered over Douala, Cameroon. But in shadowy negotiations, one Hamburg-based merchant and a lot of alcohol was making plenty of coin and playing an oversized role that would subjugate millions of Africans. This is Shadows of German Colonialism. One could argue that German colonialism started in Douala, Cameroon. There, the C. Vermann shipping and trading firm first set up shop in 1868. Adolf Vermann took over the family business of his father, Karl Vermann, in 1874. The ambitious younger Vermann believed Africa was a market to sell cheaply produced German products, like alcohol, and a source of cheap labor to produce valuable raw materials for German factories. But Vermann and like-minded businessmen who had established connections along the West African coast had a problem. In the 19th century, colonialism changed from being just trading posts on the African coast or settler outposts in South Africa. This dynamic had big geopolitical implications. That's historian Kim Sebastian Tocci of the University of Hamburg. From the 1870s onwards, Vermann feared not entirely without reason that he would lose access to African markets if areas not previously under European control were suddenly turned into individual European colonies. German unification only happened in 1871. Chancellor Otto von Bismarck was reluctant to establish colonies, seeing them as an expensive luxury. But as European competition for African markets grew, so did lobbying from businessmen like Vermann. In 1883, he proposed the formation of so-called protectorates in West Africa. In fact, the Germana Douala Treaty of July 1884, signed by Douala kings Bell and Aqua, guaranteed Vermann land rights and monopoly on the trading in Cameroon. The German flag was raised over Douala hours before a British ship arrived attempting to stake the same claim. Bismarck had caved, realizing that acquiring colonies would send a message to the German people and other European countries that Germany had arrived as a new world power. Without Vermann, there would certainly not have been the colony of Cameroon in that form. He uses economic, political and social capital to form a colony in Cameroon. But it wasn't just about ships that stayed on the coast. There was interest in taking over the Cameroonian hinterland, right? Exactly. So until the founding of the colonial empire, Vermont's trade in Cameroon was actually limited to the coast. It was different in Gabon where the Vermont shipping company, with French military support, advanced along the Ogwe River into the interior. This became a blueprint for dealings with Cameroon. They then did the same thing in Cameroon, where they met some armed resistance. And this suited Vermont perfectly. He became something of an advisor to Bismarck on colonial issues and was a key player in the 1884-1885 Berlin Conference, which essentially carved up Africa amongst European nations. The Vermont shipping business prospered, becoming the right arm of German imperial power. 
Protectorates were very good for merchants because they shielded German firms and their markets from European competition. And in becoming part of the German state, they could rely on German military backing. About 60% of German exports consisted of alcohol products. To defend those colonies from local rebellion and other European powers, weapons followed. And this emboldened German colonial officials, according to Cameroonian historian Gilbert Ngimdo. When the Germans now came up with a plan to leave the coast of Cameroon and penetrate into the interior, where they intended to meet with inland producers of raw materials, rubber, for example, ivory, for example, palm oil, for example, and to establish soils and to develop soils there, grow plantations of cocoa, bananas, and, and so many others. During their, planta- during their penetration, Mostly coastal ethnic groups resisted because economically it was disadvantageous to them. German companies began ignoring the treaty the Douala chiefs believed they had, which was that colonial trading only happened at the coast. Steadily, Douala lost control over trade routes and land. By the early 1900s, Vermont's companies had established cash crop plantations for palm oil, cocoa, rubber, tobacco and coffee in Cameroon, far from the harbours. Cameroonians suffered immensely. The new plantations required labor and droves of men and women were forced to work on these plantations where conditions were brutal. Historian Katharina Ogontoya explains. Oppression takes place in the form of land expropriation, past laws and overtaxation. The symbol for the German colony becomes the 50. That's 50 lashes with a leather whip for small offenses, like not greeting or making way for a white person. That was the reputation German colonial empire for those who lived under it. At the time, the rubber business was booming, and businessmen like Vermann wanted in. Luckily for him, violent colonial officers like Jesko von Putkama ensured that 20 to 30,000 Cameroonians were forced to harvest and transport rubber from the hinterland to waiting ships. And they could do this because German soldiers were there to crush any dissent. The result was that villages were burnt down and people were wrapped up and carried to the coastal areas long away from their communities where they had to suffer. Some of them lived under terrible conditions. If Some even died and were never seen by their families. The Germans integrated what was called, introduced what was called corporal punishment public flogging where they humiliated traditional rulers in front of their families. The Germans destroyed traditions, destroyed indigenous traditions, burnt down villages, causing a lot of migrations. When Rudolf Duala Mangabel, whose father had signed the Germano Duala Treaty in 1884, protested that his people were being abused and their land expropriated, he was summarily arrested for treason and executed in 1914. The exports delivered the Vermont company vast profits while completely destroying the fabric of Cameroonian society, many of whom hadn't heard of, let alone agreed, to any of the terms of the Germana Duala Treaty. In 1905, 200 firms operated in West Africa, 30 belonging to Vermont alone. This was the company's high watermark. Vermont's ties to the German state were so deep that his ships transported colonial troops to German Southwest Africa to brutally crush the Herero and Nama uprising between 1904 and 1907. The Vermann line held a monopoly on transport to German colonies and shipped around 15,000 soldiers to southwest Africa. The German state subventioned the Vermann line then 
The German state subsidized Verman Line to fund voyages from Angola to Namibia, above all, to Walvis Bay, and later to Swakopmund. It was important for the German Reich that German colonies were not served exclusively by foreign shipping companies, but by a German shipping company. German military action resulted in the suppression of Ova Herrero and Nama peoples and the ensuing genocide. Those who survived the military campaign were taken to prison camps at Swakopmund and Luderitz, where German companies, including Vermans, used the prisoners of war as slave labor for infrastructure projects like building railroads and harbors. The conditions were so appalling and death rates so high that even German politicians in Berlin demanded an end to the practice. And as historian Tochi points out, the overwhelming beneficiaries of this brutal action were private firms. And in the German case, it must be said quite clearly that the profits were privatized and the losses were socialized. That is to say, the costs were enormous precisely because of the fight against the Herero and Nama. At one point, it amounted to more than 600 million mark, a tremendous amount. These costs had to be borne by German taxpayer, while the profits were actually earned by companies like the Verman Line. Through transporting troops, equipment and goods during the genocide, the Verman company could record unbelievable revenues that resulted in very large profits. The Verman company lost influence when Germany was forced to relinquish colonial territories after World War I. The era of exploitative colonial trading was over, but the damage wrought by its greed and violence still scars communities in Cameroon and Namibia to this day. Shadows of German Colonialism was brought to you by DW with support from the German Federal Foreign Office. I'm Kai Nebe.